Oda, 30 feet away. Jumper in the air. He's got it! Lamar Odom has won it for Rhode Island! In traffic, off-balance shot. Thank you! Jared Terrell in Rhode Island has done it in the final five seconds on a circus shot from Jared Terrell. A career-high night for him and a victory for Rhode Island. Look it up, Dutton. Run out, Rowdy, look out, Oh, steal by Vance Russell off of Young. Three. Don't do it to him like that, Vance. Dribbles into the forecourt. Iverson going up. He ducks it home as the buzzer sounds. And Rowdy, the 8-10 champs. Hey, Rody Nation. Welcome to our first episode of Rody Baseline. My name is Gary Azera, joined this week and every week by my co-host, Andrew Pazinski. Andrew, we finally got this thing on the road, huh? Absolutely, Gary. It's been a long time coming. I'm glad we finally got the chance to do it. Yeah, and and believe me, we're, we're going to be here throughout the Rody season. We're here to talk all Rody all the time. Uh, we've got a lot to cover in today's episode, right, Andrew? And hopefully, Gary, that is right through the end of March and hopefully into early April, if there's any luck. We can only cross our fingers, right? Uh, but yeah, what, what do we got to chat about in today's episode, Andrew? Uh, we're going to talk about Rhodey's first six games, which, let's be honest, between you and me and watching what's going on around college basketball, Rhodey's pretty lucky to have played six games so far. And we're going to talk about the pandemic like affecting college basketball like everything else, and then we got some special topics in line for you guys for the rest of tonight. Yep, and just a reminder that this week's episode is going to be focused more on Rhodey's non-conference play. On next week's show, we'll talk a little bit more about conference play with Rhodey having its first game uh, against Davidson in the conference. So we're going to focus a little bit more on the non-conference schedule today, and then we'll jump into that next week. Uh, so let's let's jump in, Andrew, to those, uh, those six games that, uh, that URI had. Yeah, Gary, the uh, non-conference schedule, it's a lot tougher than originally was supposed to be going into, heck, the week of when we were supposed to be down in Bubbleville. We were not scheduled to play Arizona State or Boston College, and USF was the only team that we ended up playing that we were supposed to be playing, and we came out of Mohegan Sun 2-2, two and two, which, all things considered, was pretty lucky. We got two very quality wins against South Florida and San Francisco. Hung tough with the number 18 team in the nation, Arizona State. And we played somewhat decent against Boston College. There's definitely room for improvement there. Um, but definitely a lot of positives to take out of there. You could make an argument where they could have been 4-0 coming out of Bubbleville. Yeah, I mean, you know, you already got lucky that, you know, not, I wouldn't say lucky, so to say, but they 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 got a chance to to join the Empire Classic uh, and got to play uh, a former uh, assistant coach for the Rhodey Rams, uh, Bobby Hurley, uh, in Arizona State, and then uh, was able to play Boston College uh, also in the Empire Classic uh, after having a tough game against Arizona State. Two two quality games. I do think the Boston College game was a, was a place where we needed a little room of improvement. But you know what? They go through and they do get two other wins in Bubbleville against uh, – uh, South Florida and San Francisco, uh, and that San Francisco team had uh, already had a big win as well, and we were able to beat them. So makes us look very, very good. Um, and then obviously getting out of Bubbleville two and two. Yeah, which was huge given given the fact that they needed they we needed some wins to get us into trying to build a resume. 
come March because it's going to be tight this year with not, the lack of non-conference schedule. We have we were able to beat Seton Hall too, and San Francisco. That I I truly believe that'll be a heck of a heck of a win come March because of a they beat Virginia last year. That same San Francisco team took Gonzaga down to the wire, and from my little bit of research I've done on them, they were. They're projected to do very well out in the Western West Coast Conference this year, so let's hope that helps us build a nice resume come March. And yeah, we ju- we just gotta hope that that uh, that that conference that win against San Francisco can actually lead us, you know, jumping into a quad three, quad two win potentially, uh, depending on how they do in the conference. But uh, big game that we do want to bring up, which I thought was. I think our, our best showing that we've had this season uh, was the game against Seton Hall at home. Uh, this one, unfortunately, touched me and Andrew a little bit uh, because I know for me it, it's been nine years since I've missed a home game at the Ryan Center. Andrew, I think, said it probably about six or seven years, right? Yeah, six, seven, somewhere around there. Haven't missed a, the only – I can't. I think the last home game I missed was the Nebraska game, and that was because I had to go to my little sister's birthday party. Other than that – I've been at every single home game, and it was just weird not to be at the Ryan Center for one, especially in my season my season ticket holding seats this year. But hopefully, we'll be back there sooner rather than later. But that you mentioned it, it was a great performance from that team. You had Fats leading the way with 17, Jeremy Shepard had 14, the freshman had Ishmael Leggett had a breakout party with with 11 points, Makai Mitchell had a double double. It was just a great way to open up the season at the Ryan Center this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously the the story, you know, Fats obviously doing what Fats does, uh, which is obviously always great. Uh, but definitely a good showing uh, between, you know, one of the Mitchell twins. I know Makai and Mikel are, are getting used to, to playing in, in again, with the roadie team being transfers. We're a whole team full of transfers that we're going to talk about later on, too, but... You know, them leading the way, uh, you know, going through Makai having those 11 points, 11 rebounds, double-double on that, which is great. You know, Jeremy Shepard coming out of his shell. And then, you know, the the story of the game, you know, Ishmael Leggett, who, you know, took home uh, Rookie of the Year honors for the week, which isn't a surprise there. Uh, Just kind of getting themselves back into the rhythm and, you know, putting the Seton Hall team away and keeping the lead throughout the game, I just I was so proud, so happy. Oh yeah, it was such a great win. I remember I was sitting at home and Seton Hall started making their run, and it was I was looking it was not looking pretty for there for a few minutes, but it was great to see the team be able to finish, and it showed how much this team has grown up in just two weeks that they were able to settle down, be able to finish off a game, and that's it's going to be the motto this year in college basketball: being able to finish games. We all know all too well in conference play that we got to be able to finish games. You have to play a full 40 minutes. But a side note on Seton Hall before we move on to the next conference non-conference game, you got to give them all the respect for actually still sticking it out and coming down here to play this this game. They very well could have asked us to move it later in the year or to next year with them just coming off a quarantine period. All the all the respect to Seton Hall this year for wanting to play this game. And I wish them nothing but the best the rest of the season. Absolutely, I mean, you got to give it to them that that they they still wanted to play the game. They had a tough time, you know. They got put into quarantine after a positive COVID case, and then you know coming out of the blue and just playing against us, it, it you know it was great of them. And and I know we we had a good showing, but you know obviously I I hope that you know we're able to play them in the future because you know they we've played them, we've gotten to see them 
uh, live once in that lovely Thanksgiving game. Um, Pre-Thanksgiving game, sorry, not Thanksgiving game. Uh, but it's it was great to have them come in and a, a great win for Rhodey. Now, obviously, jumping into the the last, you know, the the next conference game and, and the last one, <laughs> this one, uh, this one showed up out of the blue. So URI was supposed to have a break in between games. So well, well, you forget that they they were supposed to be playing Boston College on Friday night. But I, I've talking to you about this, Gary. I, I fully anticipated once that we had the chance to play BC at Mohegan Sun, that they were going to bat that Boston College was going to back out of that game, so that way they didn't have to play us twice in less than two weeks, which was completely understandable, which was great for them, and it was a little iffy for us because it would have given us twelve days off in between games. So you got to give it to the staff that they uh, were. Everything from what Cox has said, they were calling everybody and anyone to uh, try and get us a game, and sure enough, they got us one heck of a one. Yeah, Boston College luckily got to play Florida uh, to replace us in that game, so they were able to get a good game out of it and push our game back, which is fine and, and understandably. So you are right; was supposed to have a break. They were they played last on December second, and they weren't supposed to play it until. Uh, Sunday's game against Western Kentucky, which would be on December 13th, so a huge gap there. Uh, what ended up happening was Louisville was supposed to play Wisconsin in a non-conference game uh, that was supposed to happen, but unfortunately Louisville did get a positive COVID case and did have to go into quarantine. So what ended up happening was URI was out there looking for a game. Uh, David Cox and his staff made a call to Wisconsin you know, had to to spice up the deal and kind of explain to them that they would be worth it to play. But I also, I think that Louisville also played a little bit of a role in there, Gary, because as many of you know, Luke Murray used to be an assistant coach for the URI team a few years ago, and he was on Louisville staff. So you got to think that he sent a little information our way saying that the game was probably going to get canceled and to give Wisconsin a call. Yeah. So we got lucky on that front. So Cox and his staff, you know, got in contact with Wisconsin and, you know, according to uh, Thor Bjorn, uh, your athletic director, uh, they called, they got the contract over. That game was signed within two hours of the phone call. Uh, so that game got signed up for, for the game that happened on Wednesday uh, at Wisconsin now, of course, Wisconsin was nice enough to pay for a charter flight to get URI there and back, um, and obviously subjected URI to the Big Ten testing protocols for COVID nineteen. Which, before we get into the game, which we all know didn't go as planned, you gotta give Wisconsin even all the respect in the world too. They, them paying for our charter, them actually wanting this game just shows how much they actually care about the sport, want their guys to play as many games as possible, looking for good competition. They're not afraid like some teams that we know are afraid to play us. Not going to name any names, but we'll get into that later. But, yeah, all the respect in the world to Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, they uh, – David Cox has, has said it, and, and they have that clip playing multiple times, but he said that you, they had to discuss about how if that URI was able to beat Wisconsin, it wouldn't be a bad loss for them, uh, that their testing protocol was up to date, um, and that they would be worth the game, uh, which they were able to do so. So uh, URI headed over to Wisconsin to play the 13th-ranked Wisconsin Badgers uh, at the Cole Center in uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, and unfortunately, the game did not go Rhodey's way. Uh, you know, Rhodey had a very tough first half. 
kind of outplayed, uh, outscored. It, it was rough, Andrew, right? Oh, absolutely. I knew it was going to be rough when Wisconsin hit their first three three-point shots and got out to a quick 9-2 to lead. I knew that the first half was going to be rough, but you got to say something for how you or I played in the second half. You could have easily folded in the in the locker room coming out of the halftime, but they won that second half 46-40. They played great. I think I want to say they got the deficit down to single digits a couple times in the second half. It's just when you're playing teams, when you're playing national powerhouses that are projected to win their conference championships, the heck, Wisconsin's per, could be one of the f- final teams down there in the final four this year. You can't have those games where you start slow. The same thing happened in, against Arizona State. We started off slow in the first half. You just it's too much to come back from and it hurt them in in the game. But I also do think that come conference play, that game will make us better and better. All these all these games against teams that are bigger, stronger than us are gonna make us better when we get to the conference play where we're more evenly matched. A lot of people are saying that if you play the schedule to be three and three coming out of the non conference schedule we've played so far you're pretty darn lucky, especially when you can make an argument that Rhode Island could be five and one right now with this non-conference schedule. Well, well, exactly, and you know what we've noticed from David Cox the last couple of years is that you know he he does he's not looking for cupcake games. He's looking to, to challenge teams. He's looking to to take URI from being considered a mid-major program to something bigger than that, which you have to respect and honor, just because he he wants to make sure that we get the best chance to play in March. The best chance, like, and you can't look at that any differently. Uh, you know, obviously, you, you play teams like Arizona State, and Wisconsin. And you look at the non-conference schedule. You say, "Wow, they had a challenge." You know, they came out three and three, but they put up a fight. Like uh, that—that—that's the only thing you can be happy about. Like, you could—you could be happy that we're we're playing those teams. Everybody remembers a couple of years ago when we played those teams that just you know played like. I don't want to say Bryant, but like Rick and and those other small games, and you know, get someone like LIU Brooklyn to come in. Like those games are fine, but you want to play the teams. Like, don't get me wrong; those games are, those games do serve a purpose. I think I would hope. I mean, obviously not this year because it's a special year, but every team needs one of those two of those games to build your confidence, where you can just work on lineups and stuff. So I hope, I hope that next year when we get back to a normal year, it's a a mixture of that but like you said Gary we pride ourselves on not playing no cupcake games and boy do we have a non-cupcake game coming up this weekend against Western Kentucky at Sunday Sunday at noon CBS Sports Network that I know Western Kentucky isn't a big name for all you guys out there but we all know from last year they came into the they came into the Ryan Center we beat them in overtime 86-82 but that was without their top player Charles Bassey, who's an NBA prospect, and if he's, I've seen some tape on him. He's a, he's a scary big dude. He comes in at six ten, six eleven, that area. He averages uh, twenty five minutes a game, fourteen points a game, eleven rebounds, four blocks a game. He's every bit of that NBA prospect that they're talking about, and it's going to be a dogfight on Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon. Sorry, excuse me. But it's going to be one heck of a game, and it gives just another chance for this team to build a build a uh, good non-conference resume before we get to conference play. I truly hope that this uh, Wisconsin, they, if you or I can play the way they did in the second half against 
Western Kentucky this entire game. It should be one heck of a dogfight, and hopefully you or I can come back to Kingston with that win. I just want to say there's no excuse to not watch the roadie game. The Patriots played on Thursday. You got nothing else to watch. You should be focusing on CBS Sportsnet at 12 o'clock. I know it's fantasy playoffs and everybody's focusing on that, but you can miss an hour of the game to watch roadie play. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah, I'm number two seed in my fantasy league, but I won't be watching the 1 o'clock games. <laughs> I'll take my three buys and run away with it, but not not the point. This isn't a fantasy podcast. Uh, but, yes, you know, URI right now, you, I, I'm happy of where we're at. I, I think that I was, you know, a little more worried and thought that, you know, go through. But I'm happy with three and three. I'll take it. I'll take three and three all day and a chance to make it a, you know, four and three against Western Kentucky will make, will make things a little bit easier. Right. Like, uh, Oh, exactly. Gary. And judging on paper, it looks like West Western Kentucky's five and oh, they've had a few games canceled, but looking on paper and this is just purely on paper. They only have two guys that score over 10 points a game. So it sounds like it's a two headed monster up there. I'm sure the West, the rest of the team can score if they need them to score. You're not 5-0 and with only having two guys scoring, but it seems like if you can shut them two down, you should be right there at the end to hopefully steal a game. And nothing looks better than stealing road games, especially in the non-conference and especially in a pandemic year. Let's, finish, let's get this game, start conference play up on next Friday very strong, and who knows? We have another 12-day break. Who knows? You or I could very much surprise us again and add another game. Who knows? Maybe that... Maybe that team from uh, stores or maybe another team that nobody's even thinking of right now because I can tell you one thing, the year of 2020, expect the unexpected. Absolutely. You know, that's just that's just the way it is. So that will actually lead us back in right now. So obviously the college basketball season this year has been, has been rough, right? It, it, it's been a number of cancel cancellations a number of teams have gone into quarantine you know obviously everybody sees the john rothstein uh tweets you know every day you know stay positive test negative all that stuff Uh, it's it's been a it's been a weird year but it's also great to have college basketball i just i still i'll never forget that day march what was it i think it was march 12th or 13th gary we were both sitting on your couch we were getting ready. We were literally we had the car parked. We were getting ready to go to Brooklyn, and caught the rest of college basketball season got taken away from us. And I didn't realize how much I missed it until I got to watch college basketball on November twenty fifth. And it's been one heck of a ride. But you just got to focus. You they, like you said, stay positive, test negative, and that's the biggest thing. We got to focus on the health and safety of these kids, and the coaching staffs and their families. Now, the the one question I want to ask you, Andrew, do you think that you need to, to set up a conference bubble to get the season done? Do you think what they're doing right now is working? Like, What do you think needs to happen? I, it's, it's a tough argument you got there, Gary. I think the way you know, we know that the bubbles work. You can see it from the NBA. You can see it from the NHL. You see it with how Bubbleville worked out. They only had one game get canceled because of the virus at the end and they sent a few teams home but the counter argument to putting these kids in a bubble for two months at a time is it's these kids have to still go to school i mean i know with the numbers staggering up second semesters might not be starting on time or they might be virtual so in that case you could obviously get a bubble to work but i do believe that if 
the numbers keep going up and up like they are and how dangerous it's getting. And it's all going to depend on how the holidays goes. If people decide to stay home and only hang out with their lo- their immediate loved ones, we could obviously put a damper on the spread. But I, th- I truly believe that a bubble would guarantee a full 18-game schedule. And I think the scheduling, the scheduling aspect of it with the non-conference play, it's a lot easier to do because you don't have – you don't have to play a certain amount of games for the tournament for your conference tournaments, and you have such a big difference time frame. I know you are the A10s doing 18 games, the Big Ten is doing a 20 game conference schedule, so you got to think that the scheduling aspect of it could take could tinker if they decide not to do a bubble. I just I think a bubble will be hard and it's going to be really expensive, but I think it's also the best way to keep kids safe and healthy. I mean, we we know now that the um, NCAA tournament is happening in a bubble, right? We've already figured that out. Like that's that's they've yeah, already discussed sure it's going in Indianapolis. Yeah, it's going in that one location, right? But from what we've heard, you know, obviously from the coaching staff, they said that these kids are already kind of in a bubble at URI anyway, right? So the they the the the, the team like hangs out with the you know with the same players. They eat lunch and dinner together like they're taking classes like virtually like they're already going through a bubble so a part of me thinks that you know you you have to have the bubble idea in the back of your mind you always do because you don't know what's going to happen we don't know what the future holds we don't know what it's going to be especially with different states having different rules like if you look out in california and the nfl the san francisco 49ers had to pick up their whole shop because their entire state got closed down let's say Gina Raimondo decides next next week to close down the entire state again. Where are teams like Bryant, PC, and URI supposed to go? It's 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 crazy to think that a simple game could couldn't happen, but you know it just changes the way you look at things. It it, it does, but I I think that will I think that the teams are doing a great job of of protecting the players and and following through that. We they might be okay. Like I, I I have you know I always think positive in the sense like I think that the what they're doing will work and and they'll be able to get get through everything and and even though like everyone's kind of getting over the the jitters of like an empty arena I think that players will get used to it and and we'll see a little more intensity coming up in the season just in general I think across the whole NCAA more so and you got to give it to these kids these. These kids are nothing more than 18, 19, 20-year-olds who have been living on their own. They haven't um, they haven't been able to see their family and friends in months. They haven't and they're stuck in their dorms. I know when I was in college, I it sucked to spend more than 6 hours in my dorm. Imagine these kids having to spend 24 hours. You got to give them a tip of the cap for understanding how important it is to keep themselves away from everything going on in the outside world and realizing how much they want to play and just it shows how much they love and how much passion they have and how much they really want to win to be able to stay and not have to focus on going out and partying and risking getting the virus exactly i the the one thing that i i've seen and i want to bring it up to you andrew because i i think this is funny we saw this happen in roadie's game on wednesday uh the uh, amount of of technical fouls that have been called in the NCAA with no fans, right? Do we think that these refs are are you know lessening the leash now, just like calling everything that they see? I think it's, I think it's a byproduct of like you said, no fans. The less, maybe it's not lessening of the leash. Maybe it's more of a fact that they can hear it more. I know for a fact from 
being right down there on the court for four years cheering on the team in the ruckus that you have a very hard time hearing things. And I'd be one, two, three feet away from the refs at a time, and I can't hear a bloody word that the refs are saying. So I'm willing to bet that all this this, this stuff that's being said and all that stuff, you can't hear when there's fans. Like last night, if that if that Kohl Center seats 16,000 people, there's no way that technical foul on Antoine Walker would have been called because there's no way the ref would have been able to hear whatever was said, which did not look like very much other than game-by-game game jawing. And not for nothing, that brings a little bit of awesomeness to the game, all this little jawing and stuff. I just hope that it doesn't cause them to, you know, I, I want to let the players have the freedom, right? But if it's going to cause it, like if they're going to keep blowing the whistle for things like that, then you're going to almost have to see the players kind of scale it back, which doesn't benefit anybody. Like it's, it, you're in the moment, you're in the heat of the moment, you got the adrenaline rush, like you, you, you make a good play, like a, a taunt's a taunt. Like I can show you a taunt. It's and like the one on and like the one on the Mitchell twin last night in the second half. There was no need for that technical foul to be called. He made a little word, but it's just, I just, I truly, it's, it's nothing's going to happen until it causes somebody to lose a game. As long as the technical... And then it will make a difference. Completely. Exactly. Once somebody, once a technical foul causes somebody to lose a game, that's when the conversation will really start to happen. Believe me, I'm like, I just hope that it doesn't cause, you know, it doesn't cause anything here. You know, obviously I, I, I do want, you know, the players to be able to do what they wanted to do. But if it's going to cause an issue, then exactly. When, when it does cost somebody a game then it'll be a problem. And, and it's going to cost a big program and it's going to be a huge deal. I can already see it. Like, it's going to happen. Yeah, I would love to know what the uh, over-under on Coach Hurley from UConn getting tech, how many technical fouls he's going to get this year because we all know too well he can get amped up into games and especially with no fans, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a decent amount of technical fouls out there for him to get called on this year. Well, exactly. <laughs> But so so let's jump in. You're bringing up you're bringing up uh, Coach Hurley, which makes me want to jump into a Big East debate over here. Now, obviously, we are a roadie podcast, and we don't want to talk about the enemy. But there is one particular enemy that we really want to talk about, and I know you all want us to talk about too, because this past week was supposed to be the week, the week every year that Roadie Nation comes together. Not just Roadie Nation; the state comes together. You see it down in Kingston. You see it up in Providence every year, this time of the year. Heck, Gary and I, last time it was in Providence, we had to buy a three-game pack. Every year, there's battle lines drawn, and this year, it just, there's different views on it, and it's now it's time to talk about it. So, so I'm going to, I'll start off here by playing the first clip uh, that I have on, on my arsenal here. Now, obviously, this clip is from September of this year, uh, right after the game was announced that it will not be played between Providence College and the University of Rhode Island. Uh, let's hear from Coach Cooley. I just feel it's in the best interest of my program, of which I'm going to be selfish for every single year, that we move forward. We look forward to playing other non-conference games in the future. And that's just where we stand right now. So obviously in that clip, I, I can understand where he's coming from, right? So they're trying to figure out a non-conference schedule. You know, they go through and they want to play the, the best teams. now. And to defend PC, which I very rarely do because I dislike them deeply, 
to their credit, we this year they had you have to have a minimum amount of games. The Big East was doing us was raising their amount of conference games, and as it is, PC already has the Big East Big Twelve Challenge this year, and they had the Maui Invitational, which accounts for four to five games right there. So they they did only have a couple of open spots for their non-conference games. But you can continue on with your thought, Gary. The the only thing that I can remember that I can't remember actually from from this point because it's been, it feels like it's been so long is I can't remember if at this point PC had already scheduled the Fairleigh Dickinson game. Um, I'm pretty sure that at this point that wasn't announced yet. Uh, there was no game announced at that point. They weren't playing uh, that game, and then I think a couple of days later they announced that they would be playing Fairleigh Dickinson on December fifth, similar to the game that we were supposed to play that day. And Gary, I think. You hit it right there on the nose, December 5th. I think that's what everybody's big issue was. From what we read, the reasoning why they couldn't play the URIPC game was because of no, there was no schedule, there was no date that worked for both teams. If I'm mistaking, December 5th was supposed to be the game. URI didn't have a game scheduled for December 4th or 5th yet. So, in my mind... PC had the date open. URI had the date open. They could have played that game. But PC elected not to, and I think that's where everybody had the big issue. If they would have scheduled, if they say they would have scheduled Duke or a Michigan or a Oregon, I don't think people would have had that much issue with them getting a better opponent. But the fact that they put a fairly Dickinson team at that exact date, I think that is what ticked people off at first. A hundred percent. And obviously, so with that game coming, with December 5th passing, so uh, URI on that Wednesday beat Seton Hall, and PC lost a game uh, in the Maui Invitational against Alabama, who has not been as good as they were when they played URI a couple years ago. So what ended up happening was it obviously leads to everybody complaining, you know, URI fans, some PC fans, but not all PC fans complaining about how... I will say, though, Gary, that a lot... There was a lot more... There was a... Obviously, a lot of URI fans disagree with it, but there was... I, The amount of Providence College fans that were not happy with Providence College and Ed Cooley in particular about canceling this game shocked me. But it also should show... Ed Cooley and the rest of Providence College and the rest of the state for that matter, just how much that this game actually means to the fans. So obviously with, with this game, you know, uh, obviously Coach Cox tweeted at PC saying that they should be playing the game. And then obviously they went, you know, back and forth and then everybody kind of put it away. Then you or I beat Seton Hall. PC loses to Alabama. Everybody brings up that conversation. So obviously before the Fairleigh Dickinson game, uh, we, you know, or was it, was that during the press conference? I think it was the post game press conference that yep. so, it was a question was asked of him about yep. why Fairleigh Dickinson and not URI. And I'm pretty sure Gary, you have that audio from a very angry Ed Cooley about being asked for this question, but you, he had to have realized that what weekend he was being asked this question on and that these questions were going to keep coming up especially with how URI PC has been struggling this year. So yeah, let's let's go to that clip now. 
that shit is dead, man. I'm not worried about that game, man. I got to do, I mean, we need to do what we need to do for Providence College. How everybody feels about that URI game. It's a good game. It's a great game. Right now, it wasn't in the works for us this year. And I don't know why everybody makes a big deal of it. You know, it's another game. I continue to tell you, and I will say it over and over again, Providence College cares about Providence College, period. The University of Rhode Island game is that's it. It's just another game on our schedule. But there's a lot bigger fish to fry than the University of Rhode Island. The championship to the Big East does not go through Kingston. It goes through the Big East. But the championship to the Big East does not go through Fairleigh Dickinson. And I truly hope that come March that that comment backfires on Ed Cooley when they're when the committee is looking at his bubble and realizes that they had the chance to play the University of Rhode Island, who very well could be fighting for their own tournament resume. And if you put the two resumes together, albeit your PC is going to have more chances than us. If you were to December, December 11th, 2020, if you were to pick between these two resumes, you would take your eyes nine times out of 10. And I really hope that backfires on him come there. And the, the thing that aggravates me the most personally is how aggravated he got with this being asked this question. He had to have expected that these questions were going to ask and not for nothing. I get that he, he has to say that it's just another game on him, but he grew up in Rhode Island. He coached on both staffs. He has to realize that this game does not, is not just another game. It may be just another game for the players, but for the fans, the alumni, the students, the amount of passion that goes into this game. I remember I've been, I waited outside 12 hours for this game. This game just means more. The bars are always packed. Providence is always buzzing that Saturday. Kingston's always buzzing that Saturday. This game is not just another game on both of these schedules. And he needs to realize that. I, I, the problem that I have with, with that comment from Ed Cooley, it's not about the comment. I think that he's right. I agree. I think his comment is is accurate. It's the tone that gets me. It's the tone. Like it, it, I, I think the comment can be interpreted in many different ways. I think that it can make you angry. I think it can make you upset. But I but I really do think that it's the tone. It's the frustration about it. You know, obviously, you know, shout out to Kevin McNamara, uh, formerly of the Providence Journal, for asking that question. The question that's been on everybody's mind. But I feel as though he didn't need to talk in that tone. And I think that that's what makes people upset. I mean, obviously, you're going to have the, the PC fans who are on Cooley's side. You're going to have the roadie fans that are on your right side. But I think it's the tone. The tone is what gets me. The tone is is what really, really hits me deep inside that makes me angry. And that makes me frustrated. And it's fine. You know, PC didn't want to play us in Alumni Hall. They want to keep the home game with all the sold-out fans. I get it. That's fine. I would have I if if I was Thor, I would have told Cooley that. I go, "Hey, we'll play the game down here in Kingston this year. You guys can have the home game next year when fans are allowed back into it." I think that's I think that's how important this game is to the state, and especially with everything going on, the state needed this game to happen this year. Exactly. And uh, you know what, in, in the end, I agree with with what you said, Andrew. I think that I think it could bite them right back where it needs to. 
and it may not. You know, they play in the Big East. They get a ton of chances to to get quality wins. You know, URI does not get as many chances for quality wins as PC. This does. year we're gonna get we're gonna get a decent amount, but like yeah, obviously the Big East has more decent chances, but the A ten's no slouch this year, and we're gonna get into that next week. Yeah, but, absolutely. But I think but, but PC definitely made the mistake. Yeah, I think that in the end it's it, it's gonna it's gonna make them you know have a rough time. Um, now I do want to for nothing after playing those games before then, maybe it wasn't the best idea for PC to play us because they probably would have lost and lost in convincing fashion the way that they've been playing, but still not a good look for PC not to have played this game this year. And I cannot wait. I know roadie nation out there with me. will uh, will have a nice set of booze ready for PC when they come back in 2022. Absolutely. Now, obviously, I, I want to segue into into this, right? Uh, we don't want to talk too much about the other conferences because this is a roadie podcast and not a NCAA podcast. But I, I leave it up to you, Andrew. Where do you think uh, Providence Colleges finishes in the Big East? I don't know. That Big East is going to be tough this year. We just saw Seton Hall. They're a good team. Villanova is always a powerhouse. Uh, they got UConn back this year, and UConn looks good. You have you have Marquette, who just upset Wisconsin last last week. You have you have St. John's, who's on the rise again. You got that. They say that the Power Five. I strongly, I've been always a believer that the Big East should be considered a power conference and make it a Power Six. The Big East is a tough conference. You even got Creighton in there who just took Kansas to the wire, I want to say, last night. I would say if PC can get up to about five or six, four or five, six range, they could be in good shape. Problem is they're just they're not where they need to be, in my opinion, going in conference play. They That TCU game last night they looked decent at, but – I'm pulling for Seton Hall more than I'm pulling for Providence because obviously we want the Seton Hall win to look a lot better than the PC win. And it's going to be set all across college basketball. If you get put on a two-week break, that could be crippling towards your towards your tournament hopes. So you just got to hope that all these guys take the protocol seriously and can play a full and complete season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you hit it on the nail. I, I, I was going to say, I think I think PC will be uh, a 6 or a 7 in the Big East. There's a lot of good teams in the Big East. The Big East is always a tough conference. And, you know, getting UConn back into the fray doesn't benefit them, I don't think at all. I yeah, think well, I'm, I'm looking at the Big East standings right now. You have, you have six teams with one loss or fewer. You have seven teams... That's not even like Xavier's seven and zero this year. Like you have Butler, but, well Butler's only played one game. St. John's is five and one. They're remarkably improved from last year. It's just the Big East is going to be a dog dog fight all year long. And if PC starts slow, it's going to be hard for them to hard for them to come back. Yeah, I agree. Now, uh, one team that I do want to talk about quickly before we jump in and, and get into our uh, our quick team and uh, player preview and answer some questions from uh, a couple people on Twitter. Uh, what about the Bryant Bulldogs in the NEC, huh? Like, yeah, they're, they're up and coming. They almost beat Syracuse last week. They just started their conference play this week. They're one and one I've, I've actually followed them a little bit because I – I've always followed the college teams, the local teams. Bryant has put up some ridiculous 
score amounts, like total point scores, and it's it's ridiculous how many points that they've been scoring lately. And I just hope that they can keep it up, and it would be great for the state if they can pull it pull it out of the hat and make the tournament. Like they've scored ninety three, they scored one hundred and thirty eight points this past Saturday. They scored another hundred on on uh, Tuesday and they scored another 91 last night. Crazy. Their, their defense, <laughs> crazy. Their defense needs the, the defense needs the work. They've given up 91, 82, 83, 85 points. They can lock down the defense and keep scoring at that rate. They could be a very dangerous team throughout the, their conference play. I, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they had a tough game uh, on Wednesday against uh, St. Francis, but I, I, I think that they, they looked. I, I I got to watch that Syracuse game. I know Andrew was working, so we didn't get to to fully uh, pay attention to it. But that team took Syracuse. I know Syracuse is on two week pause, but they may they had the chance to win. They they almost beat them. They played so well. Like I think that they 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 could make a run in in the the Northeast Conference. The only thing that's gonna take them back is that I'm pretty sure only the champion of the Northeast Conference is the one who's gonna get gets into the NCAA tournament, right, Andrew? Usually. Yeah, that is one of those one big leagues, unless for some reason that they schedule a ridiculous non-conference schedule and win it, but that's usually a one big league, like a 15-seed type of league. Yeah, exactly. Usually, uh, out of that, usually see Northeastern from from looking at the list of teams on here, you know. But I think that they could make a could make a deep run in conference play. I would not sleep on Bryant because they, they do look very good. Like, they, they do. And I think that... Bryant could could make we could be seeing them in March and I hope we do because you know I want as many teams from Rhode Island in the NCAA tournament as possible because I think that just benefits the state in the end. E- even though I it hurts it hurts me saying that because obviously you know we get angry about PC but when it comes down to March you almost want all of us in the NCAA tournament because it makes us look re- us as a state look really good. And to get back onto the roadie bandwagon, if your eyes looking for another game come in the end of the month, which I know there's rumors out there that there could be looking for another game between the 18th and the 30th and trying to get at least one more non-conference game in. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad if they got Bryant. Bryant's a good team. They're a fast team. It'd be a good, good practice, but I can definitely see why coach Cox would be a little hesitant to have either take the ride up to Smithfield or have them take the ride down to Kingston. But I would definitely, I would definitely at some point try and get Bryant on the schedule, maybe in a normal year. But I do hope that they get one more, at least one more non-conference game in, especially in that break at the end of the month that they have. Yeah, I mean, I'd be a little scared to play play Bryant, to be honest with you. It's not, it's not like fully on there, but yeah, I'd be a little worried. I'd be I'd be a little, little worried. Uh, but let let's um let's jump into our uh, our team and uh, player preview, um, just because we've uh, we want to get get this closed out. Um, and I know we've talked about it a lot in the episode, so thank you to everyone who's uh, stuck in with us uh, for our first episode of the Roadie Baseline Podcast. Uh, so we are a, a, a team full of transfers. Uh, URI having most of the team replaced, a couple players leaving in Tyrese Martin uh, and Jacob Toppin over to Kentucky. The the list goes on and on, but we've also picked up a couple players. Uh, so we talked about them earlier, uh, the Mitchell Twins from Maryland, uh, Makai and Mikkel. Uh, we've picked up Malik Martin, uh, Hassan Martin's brother, uh, picked up uh, last se- from last season. Uh, we've also picked up Jalen Carey, who played for Syracuse. 
Um, and then also, obviously, can't forget that we also did get uh, Jeremy Shepard. He was a transfer from last year uh, who was redshirted and is playing this year. Am I missing anybody, Andrew? I think I am. Well, you're missing the freshman, Ishmael Leggett, and then we have a couple other freshmen on that are on the bench, but rumor has it that they're going to try – Team's going to try and not use them this year and be able to redshirt them so they have an extra year of eligibility. But And then we also have another transfer who did not get a waiver this year, which was Alan Bertrand from Townsend. But, uh, yeah, the and I want to say the, te- the Mitchell Twins and Jalen Carey were both part of ESPN's Top 100 recruits when they were coming out of college. They're very all, – all of the guys who have been playing off the bench this year – have are extremely talented. They all have great specific attributes. Like Jalen Carey's Jalen Carey's energy is immense. The rebounding and block shotting, block shot ability from the Mitchell twins is incredible. I can't remember the last time we had a true big man in wearing Keeney blue, and it's been great to see out of the two Mitchell twins and. Uh, Jeremy Shepard's got a nice stroke on him. He he can knock down a three here and then. I want to say his his uh, stat, his three point shooting stats is fifty six percent for the season, which is unheard of in URI. He's shooting ninety percent from the free throw line, and we know all the troubles we've had from the free throw line. Ishmael Leggett went to he's a same school that uh, Jeff Doughton and David Cox went to, so you got. Those D.C. roots, baby, those D.C. roots. And I've been impressed with Ishmael so far, his tenacity. Heck, he got punched in the face twice last night and got back up and knocked on the free throws and stayed in the game. Like, that's the tough, that's the roadie toughness we love and love to see. Absolutely. I mean, not obviously, uh, you also can't forget about uh, someone that we've also seen, uh, DJ Johnson, uh, who also was on the bench last year, who has been coming in, uh, who is also big. We have a lot of big guys, which is not something that we've seen the last Rare. couple of years. I, it's <laughs> I like love Surreal, love Hassan Martin, but they're not your prototypical prototypical big man. I I can't remember I think the last time we had a prototypical big was Jordan Hare and he was only here for a year and a half. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, those big men, uh, obviously one thing. Now, who do you think, Andrew, is going to be the person to break out this season and, and impress you the most? Uh, that's tough. That's tough. There's so there's a lot of chances there. I think I really like Jalen Carey off the bench. I think that was a great move that Cox made was putting him on the bench. He's a great six man. He reminds me a lot of Marcus Smart and the energy he brings off the bench. Um, you can make an argument for everybody. He reminds me. I don't want. I don't want to jump in, but he also reminds me of like Jarvis Garrett coming in as that sixth guy off the bench. Breaking out, I think you'll have. You can make an argument that each player will break out in in a different aspect. Like Jeremy Shepard will break out in his three point shooting, which we haven't been able to see. I think the Twins will break out in their post moves. The freshman Ishmael Leggett, he reminds me a lot of Jeff Doughton. Obviously, coming from the same school, he's impressed me the last two weeks being able to knock down a shot. Get up there. He just he's not playing afraid as a freshman, which is huge, especially come conference play. The only thing that worries about me about him is the freshman wall coming in the middle of conference play. But other than that, just if these guys can keep playing. The big thing that I've noticed these first six games is these guys love playing with each other. They love each other. They are there for each other. They're there to pick each other up, and that's a big. You may not be the most talented team, but if you like playing with each other, you guys like. And you guys like playing with each other. You guys like hanging out. 
and you guys can argue with each other on the court but still get the job done and may improve each other, that's huge. And that starts at the top with Fats and Antoine Walker. The leadership that they that they show in on the floor and off the floor is massive. Absolutely. I, I mean, for me, I think the, the person who needs to break out the the most and and it's something that we've thought of in years past is the same thing i think it has to be fats russell like i think that i think that he needs to take that senior leadership role and, and kind of you know put the emotions on the side fats is a very emotional guy i understand i get it but we he still has those tendencies where you see him pull up for a shot and you you hesitate you're like oh no like please don't don't shoot it don't do it and, and he's improved on that, but I think that he needs to do a better job of taking the leadership role around, around the whole team and, and being that energy, you know, that helps. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it already in the last couple of games, but I think that that's going to be the biggest improvement that they need, and it will actually help out the whole team in general. And I think that that's... But I also don't want him to be afraid of taking that shot because we all know that Fats is the guy, so he can't try and... He needs to still be able to be aggressive when he needs to be and not take and not try and distribute and be the leader at all the times. He needs to be able to look out for himself at some point too because that's also no. huge. No, absolutely. I, I think that it needs to be a good balance. I think that that's where the 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 biggest take is going to have to be. He's going to have to balance out, you know, obviously taking those shots but also being like that there for his team. I mean, obviously everybody saw the video of them on the, on the bench dancing, you know, that's gone viral everywhere. Um, but just this team loves, like they really do like each other. They, they care. They're fighting as hard as they can. Like I, I, I love the enthusiasm and, and it, it all goes back to great coaching from David Cox, right? Like it, it, he's got to get these players to believe in themselves. He's got to get these players to, to be a family, and he's done a great job of doing that so far, and I think that he is going to continue doing that, and I think that that's going to benefit the team in the long haul. And they got to be able to create their own energy this year with no fans. Like, I really think that the couple of years ago, that Seton Hall game, if there were no fans in there, they would have lost that game. But the fact that they were there, they like each other, being able to give themselves, give themselves the energy, that was what pushed them over the top. Absolutely. All right, let's um let's jump into some questions before we close out the show. Uh, so we did post on Twitter that we were recording this week's episode, and we did get a couple questions. Uh, so I'll jump into the first question. Uh, thanks to uh, David Albani for this question. Uh, is Jeremy Shepard the best shooter URI has had in the last 15 years? I'll let you take this one, Andrew. That is a very tough question to answer because I – I mean, I played basketball in high school, nowhere good or anything, but my definition of a good shooter is obviously knocking down shots, not just from three, but from twos, free throws, and you're also your clutchness. And love Jeremy Shepard, and on paper so far, he's been a great shooter for us. 56.2% from three, shooting 90% from the, th- from the free throw stripe, shooting another 50% from the field. So on paper... As long as he can keep it up, he's been a great shooter. We just haven't seen him in that clutch moment so far, which hopefully we get to soon. And not for nothing, you said 15 years, and if I did my math correctly, Jimmy Barron was here about 11 years ago, and not many better shooters in Rhode Island history than Jimmy Barron. I mean, you got Jared Terrell with the clutch shots against Seton Hall in Oklahoma. You had E.C. Matthews and his three-point shots against Cincinnati and Oklahoma as well. Um, 
Jeremy Shepard definitely has the ability, and I pray that he does get that chance to be one of the best shooters in URI history. I just think it's too soon to answer that question. I think for that question, I think what we need to do is put a sticky note on that question, and and we can answer that question in a you know in about eight weeks, so to say. Give us a little bit of time. I, I think that that question can be answered later on. I think that we haven't seen enough from him yet, but I do think that his production uh is is there and and will be uh perspective uh next question we actually got a couple andrew i i just looked every i got a i got a good one from the uh roadie boys or i got two good ones from the roadie boys actually we'll, we'll, we'll address this one first will the foul trouble be running be the running story with the mitchell twins i don't think that's just a story with the mitchell twins i think with no fans and no distractions fouls are going to be called more this year and obviously the Mitchell Twins are the big ones because they're the ones who have been getting into foul trouble, but big men always get into foul trouble because you're always there at the end of the thing. I think that's the biggest thing that the, that the team needs to work on is the, foul, the fouling. If you, can, if you can avoid the fouls, you'll be there at the end. I want to say, look at Fats. He had four fouls in the first half against, against uh, Arizona State. If you, you take away half those fouls in the first half, that game could have been different. Yeah, just the, foul, the fouling – I we know fouling cannot be a story. I just how hard it, I know it's hard to keep your feet still and your arms straight up, but you just got to work on the fouling and I hope it's not going to be a big foul trouble. And the 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 problem that I ha- I don't have a problem, right? But I'm okay with their fouling if they go through and 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 are fighting for the ball, which they are. They're they're playing down in the paint and I'm I'm okay with it. I, I'm I'm okay with it. I have to be right because because it's it's gonna be a slippery slope. Like you're gonna get fouls down there. So I mean, I would give them a little bit more time. The the blame isn't just put on them. The whole team has been fouling a little too much. Yeah, there's a difference, like you said, between smart fouls and dumb fouls. Like the fourth foul against Arizona State, Fats got beat and he tried to recover and he just fouled him. You can't do that, especially as a senior. Fats got to know if he got beat. We need him in that game. He's got to remember and. Not for nothing, a lot of these calls are questionable with the refs. I mean, how much can you actually blame the refs? But I think it's an adjustment for not only them, but the refs this year too with the fouling. I, I think once we get to conference play, and it'll slow down. Like, I know last night was an outlier, but the Seton Hall game was a lot better foul-wise. I don't think – can't remember that they were in a lot of foul trouble. So it's been improved since the first couple of games, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. And Roadie Boys also, instead of just, they just put Jermaine Harris. Gary? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I have a, a slight small love for Jermaine Harris. And you know what? I, I got to give him a, some credit. He tries. And, and it's okay. You know, he's he's improved. It may be hard to look at that, but he has improved greatly. But 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 we all feel the same way when he pulls up for that three. Everybody cringes, and everybody and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Everybody in section two hundred three knows what I'm talking about. Just just say it because the the groan the groan that comes out of our section at the Ryan Center when he pulls up a three, it, it, we all know how it goes. We all know those two games he played in Bubbleville and the Seton Hall game. He played he played well. I think he's gonna if he can embrace the role off the bench that he has so far, it could be great. He's he's been able to rebound the ball pretty well. He's he had a, I know I can't remember which game it was, but he had a great and one play. And the big thing with Jermaine this year is going to be it's going to be can he stay on the court? 
if he can stay on the court, I think he could very much improve this year. And I really hope he does because he seems like a very good kid and I want nothing but the best from him and we need him. You that that was evident last night. If you that's the other thing. If you notice the two games that there was big foul trouble in with the twins were the two or the three games were the games that Jermaine Harris wasn't able to play. If Jermaine Harris was playing those games, you could have taken the twins out, given them a little breather, and you can't blame them last night for not bringing Jermaine Harris. He was feeling under a little under the weather. You don't want to risk it. So I I think Jermaine Harris has definitely improved from last year, and I hope he continues to improve. I, I think Jermaine Harris, the only thing, the ceiling's up for him. Like he's got he's got he's got the the team around him now. He doesn't have to worry about you know too much around him. I think he just needs to. I think he has just the ceiling to improve. So I, I think I think that's a good way of answering the Rody Boys question, just with Jermaine Harris. Um, uh, another question here from Evan Provost: Who needs to step up to get points? Not Fats. I'll let you answer that one, Andrew. Ooh, that's a tough one. I think you got to get some bench scoring, which you've gotten from Ishmael Leggett. I mean, I mean, look at the, look at the scoring. You've had, you've had, you've had decent scoring from Shepard. I think they need to get the twins. The twins need to get some more scoring in them. Um, I think, yeah, obviously the twins. I would like to see Malik Martin do a little bit more going to the basket. He's a big body. If you could get him going to the basket some more, that would be great. I hate to bring it up because we just talked about it, but Jermaine Harris coming off the bench. I think if you if you can get yeah, you got nine ten deep. I'd like to see DJ Johnson the first couple of games in the bubble, he he was shooting the ball pretty well. He could get better, but I would really like to see Malik Martin and Antoine Walker step it up a little bit more. Especially Antoine, the the veteran of the team, one of the veterans of the team. If he could step it up. Shepard keep giving you fourteen points a game, you could be good. But definitely, they definitely need some scoring off the bench, and that's where Ishmael Leggett and Jalen Carey come into effect. The one thing we just need to remember is that when when do you when does anybody remember when URI had a had a time where they could go ten deep? I'm just saying, when was there a time where we could go ten deep? Like and well, you got to get ten deep, but you also need the scoring to come into effect. understandably. But I I think that they have enough. I think that they're having that depth is going to benefit them in the long haul with scoring. I, I I really do. I think that they just need to... Oh, and I think it has already. I, I think that it's going to even help even more. So I, I wouldn't worry too much, Evan, about the, the, the points that they're going to come. I, I say it every time, and we've said it year after year. They need to focus on defense. The scoring will come to you. If they play good defense, you'll get turnovers, you'll get the ball, and you'll be able to score. Clear, clear cut and point. And like they mentioned on the broadcast last night, this team is built on transition basketball. And we saw it. URI made that run in the second half when they were forcing turnovers and getting easy put-back layups and stuff. If this team can get on transition, they're fast enough and quick enough where the offense will come. But there is going to be a time when it, you're going to have to play half-court basketball. We saw it in the first half. URI did not play well in the half-court. They do need to improve in their half-court offense, and they they need the Twins to be able to post up you got to have somebody that they can dish the ball out to and and uh, dish it and knock down shots. The A-10, we know it. We've followed the A-10 for three years. We know people from other schools. They know Fats Russell. They're going to make it. They're going to build their game plans on shutting down Fats Russell come the next couple months. Heck, I know VCU. We were talking to one of our friends from VCU who was saying Fats Russell kills us every year. These teams are going to double-team Fats, so who's going to be the person to step up? 
It's going to have to be Antoine Walker. It's going to have to be Jalen Carey, Shepard, everybody to make up for those points that Fats isn't going to be able to get. Exactly. I, I just think that I think that it's too early to be worried about scoring. Like, I, I think we'll be okay. All right. We got one last question for you on this on this podcast for the night. This is from Corey Wentworth. We're going to – can we chalk up the discipline issues, text foul trouble turnovers to a new young team early in the season, or these issues plague us all year? No chance that these issues are going to plague us all year. Um, I do think you got to remember we're a team of transfers and new players. You know, the only two guys that are coming back from last year that we're starting are Fats and Jermaine, right? That's it. Everybody else is brand new. So uh, they are a young team, right? They they are going to... Antoine also played a big role last year, too. Though. And Antoine, right? I can't forget about Antoine. But I, I don't think... I think this is the... They're just getting the feel for things, right? It's 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 still early. I don't think that they're going to play us all year, right? We we ha- we've had games previously in the past where foul trouble can hurt us. It, it it does, right? And that's where the the idea of free throws come in, right? We need to make free throws. Making free throws helps us win the game. We always get caught up in free throws. They were talking about it a lot in the Wisconsin broadcast about how you know Rody is able to get points off free throws, yada yada yada, but. They average getting to the free throw line thirty four times. Yeah, we just need to be better. I think we just need to be better in general. But I don't. I don't think that they're going to play us all year. I think that it is just new young team of transfers who just needs to get the feel for everybody. And in the end, it's gonna it will it will adjust itself in the long haul, and we won't have to worry too much about it. It's a it's a big chemistry issue, Gary. Is once these guys get more and more games, let's keep in mind. With the virus going on, they were only allowed to have small group practices up until October, November, and even then they still couldn't really practice hardcore until the until November. I do think the technical foul thing I think very well could be an issue like we had discussed earlier, but I don't think that's an issue of the guys. I think that's just an issue of the refs being able to hear more and see more than they would in a normal year. And you got to think that the NCA at some point is going to have to step in and tell these refs you got a little little bit more mo, you got a little bit more go. You have to account for the human part of the technical foul thing because I firmly believe coming from hey coming from a person who played high school basketball, I know it's nowhere near as packed and stuff, but there's always jawing going around. There's always trash talking going around heck you yell at one of your teammates for doing something great and you get called a technical foul because you use choice language i think that i think if any of those things the technical fouls are going to be the issue throughout the year yeah absolutely i i I, i'm not too worried about it uh great question Corey. i I think that it's not something you have to worry too much about you know coming up and oh yeah shout out to all the roadie fans for all the amazing questions Especially for our first episode, it was great to see all the love and enthusiasm for it. I know we, Gary and I, know a lot of you out there. We really appreciate the support, and we truly hope that we brought a little bit of light to you guys this week, and we can continue for the rest of the season. So we thank you all for listening, and yeah. So I, I, there, there's a segment that we're going to close out with. There's not a name for it yet. You know, obviously this, it's been a, a couple of weeks. We've been trying to figure out the podcast, so we got to go through. You can tweet us your name ideas. Yeah, and then if we get a few good ones, maybe we'll put a poll up there and let you guys decide. Yeah. And if you guys have any you guys have any topics you want us to cover or anything, or any guest ideas or any ideas at all, 
this podcast is strictly for you guys, so DM us, tweet at us. Oh, yeah. So we we do already have a topic for this week. I'm going to call it this week Gary's Hot Take. That's taking away from the other podcast I do, the Something Broad and PVD podcast regarding Providence Bruins hockey and something that uh, my co-host, my, my co-host uh, Steve handles usually. Uh, but I, the hot take that I do want to talk about tonight in, in this episode uh, is about COVID-19, right? I know that myself and Andrew have seen this here, and, and it's been a rough couple months, right? It, it starts off on that day in March, uh, finding out that the college basketball season was canceled to going the 258 days uh, before a game was played on November 25th, right? But the one thing to remember is as everything around us has become a little bit different and everything's been been a little more difficult with COVID-19, we all just need to, to remember to be kind to each other. Um, I think that... It's it's been a rough a rough couple months. Everybody's on edge. Everybody's a little upset. You know the numbers are going up. Teams are trying to stay healthy. Teams are going into quarantine. You know people are going into quarantine. You know what I would say is just be kind to one another, right? You don't know what tomorrow brings. Be safe. You know keep your keep your gatherings down. Wear your mask, etc. You've heard these things before. We we don't need to reiterate those, but just just be nice to everybody, right? In the end, we want this all to be gone. Everybody wants it to be gone. We don't want to be doing a podcast remotely like me and Andrew are doing right now, right? We'd rather be in the same room talking to each other like a normal conversation, but we can't do that right now. It's not possible. So we have to, you know, go into other means, but just be kind to one another, right? The, there are people that are fighting this disease out there, right? now and, and you know getting it in and just just keep your social gatherings down wear your mask etc right i know that for us there there's one person that me and andrew have on our mind right now uh one of our uh, our good friends stone freeman his uh his dad right now uh is in the hospital fighting uh covid19 um, and, you know, we want to send our support on the podcast directly to Stone and his family um, because this this disease, unfortunately, can can hit anybody. And we just want to make sure we, we hope that his dad is able to, to continue the fight uh, because it, it, it's killing both me and Andrew on this. Like, it, it really, really, really stinks. Couldn't have said it any better, Gary. And I got a special I got a got a different perspective on this whole thing than a lot of people out there because my mom. Mom's a teacher, and my dad's right there on the front line as a firefighter EMT. And it's just, it's scary to see everything going on out there. And just want you guys all, please, please be healthy, be safe out there. And let's give a special shout out to all our teachers, our first responders, our nurses, our doctors, everybody out there who's on the front lines fighting to get this disease under control so we can be back to the Ryan Center where we all want to be. So. Thank you all. Please stay safe. Please wear your masks and just give a special shout out or a prayer to Stone and his family and all the first responders and teachers and frontline workers out there. Yeah, they're they're definitely the heart and soul. We're 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 trying to keep everybody healthy and safe. So please follow everything go through. We do want to thank you guys for listening to the first episode of the Roadie Baseline podcast. Uh please do remember to leave a review also to subscribe to us. We are available on all major platforms uh and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Roadie Sideline. You can find us if you found the podcast, you're listening to it now, you found us so you did really well. So uh, we will be back next week with our conference preview episode where we talk about this week's game against Western Kentucky. Uh, and then 
talk about conference play and the first conference game against Davidson. Hey, and you never know. A potentially we could potentially have another non-conference game to talk about. And my hot take my hot take preview for you guys for our conference preview. URI ain't finishing six in the A ten. Ooh. I'm already excited, Andrew. So we will chat with you guys next week. Uh, Thank you for listening once again. And this is the Roadie Baseline Podcast. Go Roadie!